Bishop Frank is back from his trip to Fatima and to World Youth Day in Lisbon. And so today, he's going to tell us about his time in Lisbon. We heard last week about the pilgrimage to Fatima. Today, we're going to hear about World Youth Day and what it was like. He's going to talk us up, talk to us about his two catechesis sessions that he ran with the young people there, and then some side trips that uh, that they took while they were in Portugal as well. That is here. Fun conversation. Stay tuned and keep your radio on 1350 AM or 103.9 FM, or keep us on your phone with the Veritas mobile app. You can get the app at the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, or veritascatholic.com. If you enjoy Let Me Be Frank, be sure to rate us, review us, Please give us a five-star rating and help us grow the show and reach more souls. Let Me Be Frank is brought to you by a grant from Foundations of Faith. Foundations of Faith embraces innovative approaches to funding pastoral care programs in the Diocese of Bridgeport. Resources focus on energizing lifelong faith formation and discipleship and fostering a commitment to justice and accompaniment with our most vulnerable. From seminarians to retired priests, from baptism to last rites, from suburbs to inner cities. The reach is broad and the impact is meaningful. For more information, visit them on the web at foundationsinfaith.org. Okay, here we go. This is Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. I'm Steve Lee, and it's my pleasure as always to introduce Bishop Frank Caggiano. Steve, good morning to you, my friend. Hi, Excellency. Now that I'm back from World Youth Day, we have much to talk about. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to hearing, you know, how, how the rest of the trip went and, mm-hmm. uh, um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, all of it. We, we, t- we taped at the pivot point when we were just about to leave Fatima to go to Lisbon. And I will say this, my first observation is very different experiences. I took all the seminarians and newly ordained priests out for dinner twice. And the last time, which was the night before I came back, on the day of our taping now, they are coming back because it was different cities and it's very complicated. But um, they themselves admitted that it was a very different experience, that the Fatima portion was truly a pilgrimage. Right. The World Youth Day was more an experience hmm. because there isn't that that as much of a possibility of prayer and reflection and silence because it's just so many people. There's so much stuff going on. It's hectic. Although they did, to their credit. They sought out the uh, CFRs, their holy hour. Um, they went to Bishop's Ban- ba- Bishop Barron's holy hour. So, I mean, they sought for times of prayer, but they were in between a lot of activity. Yeah. So, but thank God everybody survived. Nobody went to the hospital. Nobody fainted. I think that's good yeah. because past years we had people collapse. Oh, my word. So that's progress. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was much, it was a very interesting experience. First of all, before we do anything else, what do you think about World Youth Day going to Korea? So exciting. Yeah, it's really yeah. exciting. I uh, My kids actually were like, now we have to find a way to go. And my oldest son is like, I'm going to start learning Korean so I can communicate. The middle guy, of course, yeah. was like, everyone's going to speak English. <laughs> like, yeah, well, they do. I'm sure yeah. they do. Oh, I'm sure they do. In Portugal, almost everyone spoke English. In fact, in Portugal, I was told that French and English are mandatory in school, in elementary school, hmm. so that they have familiarity with both languages, huh. which is very, 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 I mean, I think very insightful, very wise. We don't have that right. as a requirement, at least I don't think, but yeah. anyway. Yeah. 
No, but it's it's it's. I think it's significant. First, a lot of things are significant. Number one, that we're going back to Asia, and that is important because the church is growing, both in Africa and Asia. Mm-hmm. Number two, I think in Korea, because it's interesting, Korea is becoming secularized too. Yes, the majority of Koreans do not profess an organized religion. Yeah. And of the Christians, which are now, I think, the simple minority in Korea, um, the majority of them are still Protestant. So this is a great moment for evangelization in Korea. Yes. Yeah. But the other thing, too, uh, is that it's four years from now, not three years from now. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, from what I'm told, in the Jubilee year of 2025 – which is, I believe it's a jubilee of hope. They are going to have six days of events for youth. In fact, an entire month will be dedicated to youth, but six days of events. Now, it's not World Youth Day. Right. But there's a focus on youth. Then the following year, I was told there's a world gathering of families. So they thought not to have two major events in one year, because remember, the timing is off because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Everything got pushed around, got all messed up because of COVID. So it's going to be in uh, in the following year. So the interesting thing is Pope Francis, as you saw from television and from the events, was uh, was in good form, was in good spirit. But you can see physically it's very taxing on him, yes. extremely taxing on him. So four years from now, please God, the Pope would be – 90, mm-hmm. almost 91. Mm-hmm. So, please God, they're going to have to make some accommodation for him if, if Pope Francis is going to come because it's, it's you know, it's a lot. Well, it's a lot for me. It's a lot for anybody. It's a lot for these kids. Yes, true. I, I spoke to one person who said as he walked into Mass, right, actually the vigil leading up to the Mass, so it's Saturday, he counted 32 young people who were off the side, had fainted. Holy cow. Because of the heat. We were fortunate because the first half of World Youth Day was actually very comfortable. But then when the weather shifted, that Sunday, it hit 102 degrees. Oh, my word. But that's in the shade. Imagine in the sun. Wow. And they waited two hours in the sun just to get into the park. So, you know, it's just, it's a lot. Yes. But anyway, so it's exciting. I mean, yeah, it would be, it's certainly going to be a very different experience. Oh, so having said all that, what happened at World Youth Day? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> okay. First, um, it's interesting that this time around, we did both World Youth Day as well as continue the pilgrimage for the older people who came with us. So the seminarians and young people also went to other venues besides the World Youth Day venues. And I'm going to talk about that in a second, right? But I just want to talk about Lisbon for a bit because I had been to Lisbon once. Actually, yes, once when I took my mother to Lisbon, to Fatima before she was before she had died. But we stayed overnight. It was like you didn't see anything. You went to the hotel, and then from the hotel you went to the airport. So obviously, this this was an experience to get to know the city. And I have to tell you. You have to be in great cardiac shape to be in Lisbon because they call it the city of the seven hills. I think it's the seven mountains. (laughs) Never mind the hills. I mean, 
Italy, Rome has seven hills. Right. This is seven mountains. Oh, there were some inclines that honestly I had to stop twice to catch my breath. Wow. Uh, it's remarkable, and and the Portuguese going up and down as if nothing happens. I guess they're raised with it, but the rest of it, the rest of us mere, mere mortals, especially me, it was quite the experience. And there's there's a beauty to the city of Lisbon, which speaks of its Christianity. It speaks of also the Moorish influence, right? Islam, of course, was had uh, had had a huge presence in the Iberian Peninsula for a very long time. And there's a kind of like a modern Lisbon as well as there an ancient Lisbon, but but the truth is, uh, it it was is a beautiful city, if for no other reason just to visit for its his history and its heritage. There is a replica of the Golden Gate Bridge in Lisbon. Oh, that was built, and I'm I'm going over this bridge with the bus, and I'm thinking to myself, this looks awfully familiar, and it was. It was built as a replica. Um, by one of the leaders. And of course, Portugal has had a history of kings, history of dictators, a history of a republic. What we learned, interestingly, is that the republic was founded in 1910 and it was secular. So it was hostile to the church. That is, in part, the reason why the visionaries of Fatima were imprisoned. Well, that hostility continued. It was illegal for, for priests to wear collars mm. in Portugal. For a very long time, as it's still technically true in Mexico, it's still the law in Mexico, believe it or not. So, apart from World Youth Day, the one thing that I did not have a chance to do because of my catechesis, but the older pilgrims did, and some of the seminarians and young adults did, was to go to the Church of St. Anthony. Now, it's funny, our, our guide and the Portuguese have feel very strongly about this, that St. Anthony should be named St. Anthony of Lisbon, not St. Anthony of Padova, because St. Anthony was born in Lisbon. Hmm. He was baptized over the site where the cathedral now stands in his honor. Of course, you know, he was uh, in religious life. He met Francis. He became a Franciscan. He was a renowned preacher. He went uh, to North Africa. He went to Italy. And then eventually when he died, he died in Padova. And of course, the Italians, once they have it, they're not giving it up. <laughs> so they built the big basilica of St. Anthony. And I must say, for my sister in particular, because my sister is named after St. Anthony, for her, she was determined and she went and she said it was a beautiful experience. And I, I, that was my only regret, not being able to get there. It just, just, I mean, the blockades that were created to protect the Pope were just huge obstacles. Wow. So a 15-minute walk from the hotel at my first catechesis, no, I'm sorry, my second catechesis, which was Thursday. It would have been 15 minutes to walk. They insisted I take the car that was provided by World Youth Day. Mm -hmm. It took an hour and 10 minutes. Oh, my word. With all the blockades, all the diversions, all in fact, I was going to miss it, except for my driver, who's a fascinating man, very well educated, does work in finance. We had a great conversation. He gave me the tour of the city just by haphazard because we were going here, there, and everywhere to get he had to talk his way through the barricade. And thank God it's Europe. Yes. Because <laughs> they let us through it in New York or in the United States, there's no way. And and it would have been uphill, forget it. I would have surrendered. Yeah. Right. So 
world youth day in lisbon it's interesting and i think this may be subject to um criticism or correction my sense was like for example in krakow and panama city the 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 inhabitants were genuinely joyful to have world youth day there I remember in Panama, people stopping me and thanking us for coming. And in Krakow, of course, it was like, it was just you almost jubilation, right? Because, of course, it's the city of our Holy Father, John Paul II. Yes. In Lisbon, my sense was that there wasn't opposition, but there wasn't engagement either. Mm. Not as much. I mean, some people certainly enthusiastic and welcoming. But like, for example, when we took the metro and the subway, one man came up to us and chatted. The rest kind of like, you know, I'm not, it, it would be almost like New York-esque. Yeah. They're in their own, their own world. They don't acknowledge it. There was some frustration in the news media about it, cost, inconvenience, all the rest. Mm. But see, that's typical of Europe. That's not just Portuguese. It's typical of all of Europe. Hmm. Right? It's just a different way of approaching. I'll tell you a quick vignette. The bishops, the American bishops went to the vigil. On the way back, they were stuck because of some faux pas in. So they were calling the buses one by one. Can you believe that when they called the Sofitel, which is where the bishops were staying, the American bishops, the French bishops who had not been called, one bishop got off his bus came to the American bus and switched signs so that they would go first. <laughs> so the American bus, it took an hour and a half to get back to the hotel. <laughs> but but so why do I say all that? It's because I think in, in Europe in general, there is kind of like the secularization has taken a different tone in relation to the church. I mean, everyone I met was grateful that we were there, but there wasn't a huge enthusiasm. Hmm. However, for the Portuguese that are faithful, there was, and you saw it at the numbers. There were a million young people at the vigil and a million 500,000 at the mass. And at the mass, many Portuguese went to attend the mass because the Archbishop of Lisbon, who's also a patriarch, had given the priest the opportunity to cancel their Sunday masses, in the morning at least, so that they could celebrate Mass with the Pope. Because, I mean, that's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. When else would you have that? Yeah. So they had Mass Saturday night, they had Mass Sunday night, but not Sunday morning. So considering 500,000 people in a city of maybe 2.5 million, added on, shows that there is some level of enthusiasm and joyfulness in a sector. But I'm not sure New York or Los Angeles or Chicago would be any different. Yeah. Right. But the visitors, the young people who were visiting for World Youth Day, they oh, offset enthusiastic. it, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, enthusiastic. Exhausting from my perspective. <laughs> right. Joyfulness, enthusiasm, um, a, 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 a real sense of connection with each other a good sense of pride and honor that they are Catholic mm -hmm. and they're unabashedly Catholic mm -hmm. and they're not going to in any way apologize for being Catholic. Right. Uh, when in the opening ceremony, the welcoming ceremony, if you saw it, they had flags of every nation represented in world youth day. 
And there was, there had to have been over 150 that were there. So it was huge representation. And I think part of that also was that it, it had been a while since we had World Youth Day because of COVID. So I think the young people were even more so enthusiastic about being there. Right. I met lots of them on the street, you know, saying hello in different languages. I always reverted, believe it or not, I always reverted back to Italian. Mm. Because I think I'm in Europe, I can't speak Portuguese, and almost all of them responded in their own languages. Many responded in English because they probably figured this guy's not really Italian. <laughs> Italian is terrible, <laughs> so let's give it to in English, <laughs> right? But lots of young adults. See, there's also a shift. Lots of young adults, unlike teenagers, which in prior World Youth Day there were a significant amount of teenagers. This time around, not as right. much which is exactly what World Youth Day is supposed to be. It's for young adults. Right. Um, so the experience of the pilgrims was very encouraging. Now, I had two catechesis. The first was 45 minutes from the hotel, about 20 minutes outside the city of Lisbon, hmm. in a small little church. And Lourdes, L-O-U-R-E-S is the district, the city, L-O-U-R-E-S. And there are, I believe, five churches in the city. And all the pilgrims who were in that city, imagine, had to come in to the city for the events and go back. Right. All of them were staying in people's homes or staying in schools. Mm -hmm or rectories, I met a whole group that actually are teachers in, a Jesu in Jesuit schools, young adults in Jesuit who slept in a train station. Yeah. Wow. Train station. Yeah. And so they came to the catechesis. So now the catechesis, the first one in this area was, so how does it work? You have animators you have the presenter. Okay. Now, what are the, 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 the structure, as we talked about already, is different, right? So the structure of World Youth Day, this time, they were trying to give the young people more an opportunity to get involved. So unlike a large presentation, there was a summary and a smaller presentation by the bishop at the end. So animation was very important. Get to meet the people. We pray. We listen to the gospel. Everybody meditates for a few minutes. Then they break into small groups to talk about what the gospel, what, what insight do they have praying over the gospel. Then they come back. They listen to the bishop, and we celebrate. We question and answer. We celebrate mass. So in the venue where I was, modern church, beautiful, dedicated to St. Joachim. Ah, yeah. And not Anne, just and him. Just him. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere I have ever been, it's always St. Joachim and Anne. But this is only St. Joachim. Hmm. Isn't that, is that I thought that there was a riot. Anyway. <laughs> holding a little dove. Well, I'm not exactly sure why. And nobody knew why, but he was. So that's homework for me to do, spiritual homework. So the Ghanaians were the animators. So we had, I had, well, we gathered as English speakers from Ghana, Mozambique, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, 
the Philippines, Vietnam, the United States, France, Germany, and Poland. Wow. Right? That's diversity. Talk about the United Nations. Yes. And the animators uh, from Ghana just brought a set of drums. That was it. Just a set of drums. And the reflections that the young people gave as part of the animation team was simply spectacular. I mean, spectacular. They, they gave commentary on the visitation. Hmm. Mary went in haste. This young woman, poised, well-educated, obviously well-knowledgeable of the faith, just gave the most beautiful reflection on Our Lady and Elizabeth and their relationship. I really was just taken aback. It's tremendous. And everything's a cappella. Mm. All the singing was a cappella. So I'm thinking to myself, we come in with all this stuff. My second catechesis was done by a group from Miami. Tremendous job. Excellent job. Father Capo and, and other, uh, young people from, Saint, I think it was St. Thomas Aquinas University. But you could tell as Americans, we come with the equipment, we come with the instrument, we, we come prepared. <laughs> but there's something beautiful about that. There's also something beautiful about the simplicity yes. of the first. Okay, so we gather. And you know, my typical subtle style, as I, I have, you know, very, I'm very sedate. <laughs> They're talking about um, uh, ecological stewardship. And how they can, you know, be a steward of the creation or the rest of it. So I get up and I say, your input is, is wonderful. But let me ask you a question. What makes it Christian? Like, do I, is it particularly Christian to recycle? Mm -hmm. Or to seek social policy change or advocacy or whatever else they were talking about? I said, I don't think so. So then... Why are you here? Uh, what, what is it the Lord is asking? And I'm going to tell you, it's something, it is something that is unique. If you're going to, if you're going to take care of creation, it's because it's a divine mandate from the Lord. So the question I have 12 minutes to answer is, what is that mandate? And my catechesis basically was two parts, and it's, it, it almost sounds simplistic, but I said, first and foremost, the, the, the root reason why Christians need to take care of this is because it's an act of the love of your neighbor. So in other words, creation is our home for the time being, because heaven is our true home. And we care for it because that is how we can concretely love our neighbor. And we love our neighbor as God loves them, not the way we wish them to be. So that's the larger context. You always have to keep that in mind. I said, but there's a deeper root. So I said, I have a second question to ask you. I said, when you look yourself in the mirror, when you recall all your faults and failings, when you recall all the sins you have committed, when you think of all the secrets you have in your heart that nobody knows, when you look yourself eyeball to eyeball, do you actually think God loves you the way you are? There was dead silence. That's because that's the root cause of why we care for creation. The bottom line is, God calls you to holiness of life. God calls you 
to be great in his name. God calls you to leave your sins behind and to understand the beauty and joy and freedom that comes with living in his spirit and life. But while you're working on that in his grace, he does love you now, just the way you are. And why is that important? I said, because you live in a world, as I do, that tells you that's not true. Mm. And therefore, you have to make yourself lovable. And as we said before in our podcasts, I said, therefore, you have to consume more. You have to buy more. You have to doll yourself up. You have to make yourself acceptable. You have to have the latest iPhone. You have to be on every social media platform that exists because you're seeking the approval and love of others because the father of evil is telling you, you are not lovable the way you are. So the truth is, if the creation's in a mess, it's because we're consuming too much and we're consuming too much because many people don't believe that God loves them and there's no need to do that. Yes. Well, let me tell you, that generated one heck of a reaction <laughs> from the young people. Yeah. I said, so then when you leave Lisbon and you go home and you're tempted to buy the latest iPhone, I said, um, ask yourself why? Why? Or the latest style because you have 14 pairs of something and you need the 15th. Ask yourself <laughs> why? Why do I need that? Yes. I said, that changes the tenor of consumption and waste. Don't worry about recycling. I said, the truth is, recycling plastic is not carbon positive. It's not. But using a glass bottle is. They keep reusing it is. But if you don't have to have the latest and greatest, it's so much easier to do. So I think conversion of the heart is what's Christian about this. Anyway, tremendous question and answer after it. And I thought to myself, this methodology can work. But we got to get the the we got to get these young people back into the kerygma so that this doesn't become just do good yes right kind of stuff mm-hmm. right. So that was catechesis number one. Then we had catechesis number two. Before you get into which cate- was on social fraternity, when, yes, before you get friend. into that, we run out of time. Yeah, let's yes. let's take a break and then we you, you can talk about the second session when we come back. So this is let me be frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. You're listening to Bishop Caggiano talk about his experience at World Youth Day, and we're going to be right back. If you're concerned about your end-of-life plans, searching for a Catholic cemetery, or have loved ones who are buried in one of the 14 Catholic cemeteries throughout Fairfield County, now might be a good time to begin planning for yourself or for other family members. Call one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 to leave a message or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. Many people don't realize that they can be buried with their deceased loved ones, even if all of the family's in-ground plots have been taken. The Diocese of Bridgeport Catholic Cemeteries provides in-ground burials, as well as columbarium and mausoleum options. This makes it possible to unite your family together in the same cemetery, and it's an opportunity to build a bridge for your family back to the church. Talking about this issue is not easy, but pre-need planning makes your wishes clear, reduces cost, and helps your family avoid difficult decisions at a time of grief and loss. 
You can start your planning now by contacting one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. We can guide you through the options, regulations, and considerations to help you make the best decisions for your family. The number is 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. Okay, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. Excellency, what uh, an amazing message for young people and for all of us that you gave for that first catechism session. That really, Jesus well, is the you. reason behind the good works that we do. See, I have to tell you, when I go to World Youth Day, I don't travel well. You know, we've talked about this offline. You know, like the time change. I mean, the last, now this, I, so I was in, in, in Portugal nine, 10 days, 10 days. The last two nights, so you would think you would have made the shift. I did not sleep. If oh, I boy. slept two hours each of those nights, it was a lot. And I don't know why, because I, I just find it really difficult to make the shift in time and all the rest. And travel is a mess. Is, it's just, it's just a mess. Is the transition back home just as bad or is it any better because you're home? Uh, uh, last night I went to bed at 10.30 and I'm up since 2.30. Oh, my word. <laughs> but 2.30, see, so 2.30 plus 5 is 7.30. Right? Right. So it takes a while. Okay. It is what it is. Second catechesis. Yes. Okay. So now, different church. The Bridgeport people come. Yes. <laughs> Even though they weren't supposed to. So they were a little disobedient, <laughs> but I'm proud of them anyway because they crashed the catechesis. And then we had a ton of people from the United States, again, from Australia, uh, New Zealand. Uh, again, a lot of French. It's interesting. The French who speak English came to the English catechesis, which I thought was really interesting. Huh. Uh, Poles, again, interesting. But you know what? It could also be that the, the like, for example, catechesis in Poland may not be easily accessible. Like if you have to travel a long distance and you can speak another language, why would you go? You could just come here. Right. Anyway. So the young kids, kids, young adults from St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, in Florida, they they animated a tremendous job. Our two MCs, uh, young man and young woman, also did really a great job. Very, again, the word that comes to mind is poised, just very comfortable in front of probably maybe, I don't know. We were filled, the church was not big, 250 people, 300 people. And they were standing out the door outside all the rest, um, really. And of course, the second catechesis was about Fratelli Tutti. Mm -hmm. Now, for those who don't remember, it's the encyclical of the Holy Father about fraternity, social fraternity. It's rooted in St. Francis. See, in fact, the entire papacy of Francis, it's becoming very clear after all these years that it is a theological exposition of the spirituality of St. Francis of Assisi. It's clearly what it is. He took his name, and he's expounding the theological and pastoral approach of Francis. So, Francis spoke about the beauty of creation. He spoke about fraternity. Francis spoke about mercy and forgiveness. Francis spoke about when he went to the Sultan, 
right, in the, in the Middle East. He spoke about outreach to other religions, to have peace. You see the, 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 the themes of France's papacy. Okay, so this is about Fratelli Tutti, which is about social fraternity. Okay. And the, the opening animation talked about vocation and how you're going to make a difference, which was a little bit off, off cue, a bit, not much, just a little bit. At least the way I thought, and maybe I'm off, so I mean, to be perfectly honest, maybe I was off cue in thinking, right? But it doesn't matter because, you know, you go with the Holy Spirit and you just kind of like zoom in and do what you have to do. So I said to them, we talk about vocation and finding our vocation. And to some of you, maybe called to priesthood, to religious life, to diaconate, certainly to sacred matrimony. But the truth of the matter is, there is a fundamental way to discern your vocation. And if you don't have it, then it's going to be very hard to discern that. And I said, it's all about what the Lord meant by fraternity. So we've spoke about this before at the podcast, about the use of the word friend, both at the Last Supper and when Jesus appeared to Peter and asked him, Will you be my friend? As the third question that we often kind of translate is, Peter, will you love me? Will you be my philia? Will you be philia? Will you be my friend? And the whole idea that friendship is a choice to love someone, even when they betray you or hurt you, to stand by them, not because you're related by blood, but because it's a choice, which is what love is. God, a real visceral relation reaction from the young people there and afterwards as i was reflecting i thought to myself that's ultimately perhaps one of the crises of the contemporary world that we have not we do not give each other and our young people the opportunity to find and nurture true christian friendship so it ties with the first the first catechesis you look yourself in the mirror and say do you believe God loves you but that has to be mediated in this world you could believe it theoretically but someone has to model as best as you can in an imperfect world the behavior of God the heart of God so if you don't really have a true friend one or two then it's really hard to believe so I realized afterwards they really are connected so fraternity, I said, is really creating a beautiful network of connections among people where there are different levels of engagement because if you have a few friends, you are blessed. But if there are enough connections in a Christian community, no one's left behind and everyone has an ability to relate that is rooted in conscious love choosing to love. I said, that is what St. Francis and what Pope Francis, but more importantly, what the Lord Jesus is telling us is what a Christian community is. That's what I want you to go out and build. And once again, the questions that came after it were really quite, for me, were quite encouraging because they I think they understood it. It then becomes a question of, well, how do I do that? And I said, the most important thing is to be discerning as to who you can invest your life in. So 
that that was yeah going to world youth day for me what makes it truly worthwhile are two things spending time with our young people although this time that was very problematic because our hotels were three miles apart Mm. so that was a little problematic and the catechesis if i were not catechizing i'm not sure i would go to be very honest i much rather help form them before they go company them after and if i did go i'd go just for a few days just to spend time with them because I'm, I would not. I didn't go this time either. Overnight, the vigil, I would not do. I, at this point in my life, I'm not sleeping in a sleeping bag outside. In a, I'm just. I don't need to do that. Yeah. Right. I'd much rather sit before the blessed sacrament. And the Lord is there with me. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. How how much uh, when you were when you did walk through around the city, and you're you're surrounded by uh, pilgrims from around the world. How much did people? You know, because you've got the collar. Um, mm-hmm. Did you have, I assume you, was there indication that you were a bishop? Like, did you wear the chain or the? Yes. Oh, okay. Of course. And so <clears throat> uh, how much did people stop you or walk alongside you and just want to talk or, I don't know, have you hear that confession or whatever it is? Uh, you know, there's interchange, bon dia, good morning, this, that, the other. But the actual exchange yeah. did not happen as much. That too is changing in World Youth Day Mm. because they're almost like pods. So you're a group and you're marching through the city and singing and all the rest and they'll wave and good morning, bon dia and all the rest. But it isn't like you stop and say, who are you? I think that happens at the vigil, it happens overnight, it happens at the mass, it happens at the catechetical sites, not so much in the rough and tumble of going here, there and everywhere through the city. But again, that's different because in Sydney, that was not the case. There was more of that, mm. but see, but Sydney was smaller. Yeah, you see, there's an exchange. I think in the end, if you want it gigantic, you lose some of the dynamics. If you have it small, you gain more dynamics. Right. But if you have it small and gain more dynamics, not as much young people have the experience. So, like, w- there's no right or wrong. It's it's just a, a different way of experiencing, at least the way I see. Yeah, it. Right. world you stay. Uh, and then in your in your uh, interactions during the catechetical sessions with Mm -hmm. the young people and so they do their uh uh animation and then uh you Mm -hmm. give the presentation and then there was q a well first they do their small groups and give feedback then you do your presentation in q a so in the old days i would do a 40 minute presentation and 40 minutes q a Mm -hmm. this time it was 12 13 14 minutes of of my presentation and about 12 13 14 minutes worth of questions and once again, I think, um, how can I put this? If I had to make a change, if someone asked me, which they're not going to, no one does, but if they asked me, okay, what would you change? I wouldn't necessarily change the methodology, but what I would do is change the place of where the bishop speaks. So, for example, you have the gospel reading, you have the reflection of the animator, there would be an introduction of the topic by the bishop, then have them go into small groups and then give their feedback right. and then do question and answer. Because like the context, like both with friendship and as well as this idea of what's a Christian may have, the conversations may have gone in a different direction than they did. Yes. Yep. Right? Yep. So I'm not suggesting we need to go back to the 40 minutes, but I do think the the, the place of it 
I think may need to be looked at. And I'm sure it will be because like everything else, they'll do an evaluation and they have four years to figure it out. Yeah. Right. What they're going to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so then, I mean, you hit on some really, uh, I think important and meaningful topics with them, you know, between your vocation mm -hmm. and true friendship, mm -hmm. social uh, work, and then especially this question, do you believe that God loves you? What is there any feedback or questions from the young people or um, perspectives? Mine, ours. Yes, ours. Okay. So the, the pilgrims that came, our pilgrims mm -hmm. that came to number two, we talked about it at dinner and other venues, you know, individually, yeah. small little groups. The others, no, because I, I don't even know where they are. Yeah. Is there is there anything that that uh, has stayed with you that you would like to share with us, or or is it better to maybe not share it? No, I mean, you I mean relative to the young people who were there. Yes, and their reaction to. I I told them in both cases. So no, the only thing I said to them is, you didn't come here to socialize. You didn't come here to meet people around the world only to do that you did come to do that mm -hmm. that's not the only reason not the real reason you didn't come in and meet pope francis because you're going to see him from a mile away that is not you're in solidarity with him you could do that at home you are here to encounter jesus christ and to be accompanied in faith one another mm -hmm. that is why you're here so don't let these catechetical sessions just kind of like hang out there spend some time to reflect journal think about it talk so i'm not part of that conversation but i did encourage them to do that because yeah. otherwise it's like the seeds in the parable you plant seeds the holy spirit plants them but you don't water them they're not going to grow right and that's the danger of a world youth day yes it's only events yes mm -hmm. and and so then that leads to you know the all the young people are going back home to bridgeport mm -hmm. to ghana to everywhere else they're going back home and they're on fire. They're juiced for Jesus. They're ready to rock. And then, you know, how do you suggest they keep that going? What's the follow through? We're gathering everyone. We're going to gather everyone. The seminarians, unfortunately, can't come. They'll be back in the seminary at the beginning of September. In fact, I need to do that as soon as we finish our recording is to see what date that's going to be. We'll have pizza and debrief, prayer. Uh, what are the fruits now a few weeks later? Mm -hmm. What are the seeds? Well, how are they giving birth? That I think is extremely important mm -hmm. to do. Extremely. So that doesn't just become event. Right. Right. So we will do that. More than likely we'll do it early September. Because a lot of people decided to join vacation to World Youth Day. So a lot of the young people are scattered all over. Some went to England. Some went to Spain. Some went to Italy. Some went to Malta. Um, yeah. And, and, well, and it kind of makes sense, mm -hmm. right? You're there yes, already. of course. I, on the other hand, said, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. That's why God made picture books. You can read how beautiful that is. YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> YouTube. Oh, yeah, no. Nope. Now, other things, if I may. Yes. Okay. We also went to other sites, as I mentioned. And one of the most interesting is Santorin. Are you familiar with Santorin? No. There was a Eucharistic miracle in Santorin. Oh, wow. And we saw the host that, is, that bled. It's in, on display 
So this is the story. A woman had a husband who was very unfaithful. This is in the Middle Ages. And she was desperate to try to get him to like mend his ways. So she consulted what, for no other better word, I mean, the only way to describe it is a sorceress, you know, uh, a, a diviner. Mm-hmm. And the sorceress said to her, I can uh, impose on your husband uh, an incantation to make him faithful, but I will need a consecrated host. Oh, geez. So she went to church and she received, and then as she went back, she took the host out of her mouth and put it into a, a, a napkin, mm-hmm. you know, of cloth. Oh, my gosh. Unbeknownst to her, as mass is ending, she notices there's blood on her hands. And she looks down and there is blood on all throughout this 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 napkin, this linen napkin. So much so that the parishioner, like the people around her, thought she had cut her hand and wanted to help her. So she runs out of church and she goes home. And she throws the host and the nap in the bottom of a trunk desperately trying to figure out what's going on, what do I do, all the rest. Her wayward husband comes home, as he normally did after he was with his mistress. Uh They are in bed, and in the middle of the night, they are awakened by a sound. And they look up, and the trunk is emitting this light. So they open the trunk, And the room is filled with this light. And the husband says to the wife, what did you do? And she explains everything. So they both knelt by the trunk. He asked a prayer of forgiveness to the Lord. And when the morning came, she went to the priest to tell him what she had done. And the priest comes to the house to take, retrieve the host. And what he discovers is that they had put it in a handkerchief and that now suddenly there seemed to be almost like a glass covering, like a, a, a crystal covering around the host so that no one could further touch it. And you can see it looks like there's a part of the host, that's the host, and there's a part that looks like flesh. And from the flesh, there's still, like, you know, when you cut yourself in this, your blood crusts over? Yes off to one side and then the church got involved and all the rest, the bishop, and it was finally declared to be authentic. And it's in a monstrance in this church. I believe the church of St. Stephen. And you go in, it's like, I had never seen anything like that personally. And to see the reaction of the young people Mm. was just, it was amazing to see the reaction. And, so, and we were fortunate because sometimes it is not on display. But this time it was, perhaps because of all the pilgrims. And that provoked what a, what an amazing conversation when we were on the way back, yeah. right, on the buses. So Santarim or Santarem, S-A-N-T-A-R-E-M in English, but Santarim in Portuguese. It's an amazing... Uh, if any, if anyone listening ever is in Portugal, it is well worth, well worth the, um, 
the visit. Wow. Right? Wow. I assume the husband stopped his his ways oh, yeah. after that. <laughs> absolutely. No, absolutely. That's amazing. And the funny thing is, I don't think the woman was um, was disciplined ecclesiastically. Simply because it was in complete desperation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And she was honest to her husband, to the priest, and all the rest. Right. Now, the question is, what happened to the sorceress? Who knows? Boy, ironically, in some ways, she was she was right. Right? <laughs> Not that, that But was... maybe she converted, too. Yeah. Who knows? Right? Then we went to two other places very quickly, if I may. One was the city of Obidos. And the Obidos is a... a, a, a really an ancient medieval city built in the 1100s that was taken over by the Moors in their conquest. And the first king of Portugal took back from them. And it was it became a possession of the royal house. And he gave the city to his wife, the queen. And the only reason I say that is because First, the churches are magnificent, but in a very small, it's very small. There were 11 churches, each built by one member of the royal house over the centuries so that people could pray for the repose of their souls. And we're talking medieval. We're talking medieval. We, We are talking walls that probably were a yard and a half thick, parapets, Whoa. the whole thing, yeah, for for the fortress. Which then raises another question too: is that everywhere we went, we we went to local areas, like local restaurants to and and eateries to eat. Let me tell you, the food was just outstanding, outstanding fish. Honestly, you would think it just walked out of the ocean, and it was cooked. Mm-hmm. And at Nazare, which is a beach town, yes, we went just kind of like to break up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, break. And what a beautiful place. Hot as all blazes. <laughs> beach is magnificent. That, is the pl- that has the largest waves in the world. Yeah, it's a big global surfing spot. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> I had no idea. Because I live sheltered life, you know. <laughs> I had no idea until we got on the bus and they're telling us all this. And they there were pictures. The, the, some of the waves are four and five stories yeah. high. Yes. Anyway, the single most delicious codfish I've ever had in my entire life. Was there at Nazare? The most single, most delicious. Let me repeat again. The single most delicious codfish I've ever had in my entire life was there. Wow. So I said to myself, you go surf. I'll you go to the beach. I'm eating. I'm staying right here. <laughs> you, you know, the waves that big, Excellency, you can't paddle onto them because they're too big. So the surfer, they have a bigger and heavier surfboard and they get pulled onto the wave by a jet ski. And then the guy in the jet ski goes away and the surfer surfs that wave. Anyway. Well, they've said lots of young people who think they're expert and not, yeah. and other people as well, um, older people, have had have have really been hurt badly. Yes, because to be hit by a wave that's four stories high, could you imagine mm. the force? Yeah, it's not a joke. Yeah, 
It's really not a joke. Yep. But uh, the way it's designed is uh, the way it like naturally is the portion of the beach we were on. We only stayed for a few hours, but it was good. Some of the seminarians, some of the young people went into the water. It was good. I mean, you, you need to kind of like have a flow to things, yes. right? And, but it's, they have this mountain that kind of like goes all the way to the ocean. And then the waves, the big waves on the other side. So we didn't actually see them. At least I didn't go to see them. But it's, yeah, but the pictures were astounding. Yeah. Yep. So all, all in all, it was quite a remarkable experience. It really was. Uh, bishops were all in good form. There were about 60 American bishops there, give or take, 60-something. All ages, right? Some of the younger bishops, some of the older bishops. Nice fraternity among everyone. Mm -hmm. um, during the time that we were there, Bishop Barron was there, right? And Bishop Barron's mother died, right? On um, the Friday night into Saturday. Mm -hmm. And actually... I didn't realize his mother, he had, we were having breakfast together and I didn't realize his mother had died, but he was arranging to go home. And I thought to myself, why are you going home? Cause it's, you know, it's sad, yeah. but I didn't ask. But actually uh, when I got on the bus, of course, seminarians told me right away that his mother had died at 102. Oh, wow. So that happened during World Youth Day. Yep. Yep. So that's the experience. It's tremendous. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so we look forward to Seoul in uh, in four yes, years. Yes, you're going to be my guide. <laughs> if if I go, you're coming. All right, we'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've I just wonder how different it will be. You see, the Philippines has had a long American presence. I'm sure in Seoul, it's very Western in that sense too, but it's also authentically Asian. Yeah. It's, it's, it's authentically Korean, it's culture. So I think it may be a very different experience for young people. Do you think that Yeah. That may be the case? I think that's right. I think that's definitely right. Because, uh, yeah. yeah, they're very Westernized, but they haven't had, like, yeah, you, like you said, the Philippines were actually colonized, but right. Korea never was. Not Korea. Them, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they themselves have been subject to persecution mm -hmm. by the Chinese, the Japanese yes. over the centuries, right? Yep. The one thing, and again, this is how my mind works. The one thing that crossed my mind was, do we want a million people, a million young Catholics, 30 miles from the DMZ? The lunatic in the north Yep. Would that be the occasion where he could really be threatening? Precisely because now suddenly he has that many more people within his, and I, and maybe I, that's just the way I think. Yeah. But I just I just hope and pray that in the next four years there can be some progress towards you know like diffusing that situation because that that would worry me. Maybe that'll be the start of his con his conversion. Yeah, <laughs> you, one would hope, right? Yeah. yeah, one would hope. But I think, to be honest, the little I know about North Korea and the, his sister is, I think, tougher than he is. Yes, yep. And it looks like he's uh, he's been bringing out one of his kids in public to set that child up as the next in line. Oh, is that right? Yeah, he's a nut. <laughs> yeah, well, he's he's he is he is the quintessential summary 
of a totally secularized atheistic philosophy. It's pure grab, it's pure seeking power, it's all narcissistic. Because without a God, what, what do you have? Yes, yep. Right, in the end. Yeah. Okay, Excellency, let's take uh, one more break and come back with a listener question. This is Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. Be right back. Hey, it's Matt from Restless on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. Each week on Restless, we young adults restlessly seek the face of Christ in today's crazy and mixed up world. Join us each Friday at noon on 1350 AM, 103.9 FM, the Veritas app, or wherever you get your shows. Hope to see you there. Okay, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano. All right, Excellency, here is um, a great question that came in. It says, would you please explain redemptive suffering beyond offering as a consolation for Jesus? Is this related to reparation to the sacred heart and the immaculate heart? And if so, how? All right. So my understanding is this. Redemptive suffering is Christ's suffering, for there is only one Redeemer. And by his death, his suffering, passion, death, he has atoned right, for the sins of the world. But we have to atone for our personal sins. And therefore, there is more of a question of reparation for our sins than redemption, because we are not our own redeemers. And we've spoken about reparation before. It is to the best of our ability, asking both the grace to undo the effects that we can, which themselves can be a suffering, an embarrassment, a humiliation, a deprivation, as well as to pray and do works of charity and, and, and fasting and abstinence for the effects that we cannot change, which are also a deprivation and therefore a form of suffering. But I, I have never ever used that word redemptive suffering for what I undergo because only Christ is the Redeemer. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So if you have a question for Bishop Frank, you can send it in on social media or you can email questions at veritascatholic.com. Bishop Frank Caggiano is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So is Veritas Catholic Network. And we would like to thank our sponsor, Foundations in Faith. A grant from the St. Therese Fund for Evangelization makes it possible for us to bring Let Me Be Frank to you. Foundations in Faith is committed to supporting and transforming pastoral ministries in the Diocese of Bridgeport. And you can learn more about their outstanding work at foundationsinfaith.org. Welcome back, Excellency. <laughs> Thank you. It's good to be home. Yes. It's good to be home. Yep. And I, I would love to ask you to give us your blessing. Yes, of course. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Through the intercession of Our Lady of Fatima, we ask you, Almighty God, to bless us, our listeners, our families, our loved ones, and those whom we serve, that we may always remain faithful, joyful and courageous preachers of the message of salvation in Christ your Son, who is the Lord and Savior forever and ever. Amen. Amen. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, Steve, I will see you soon. Thanks, Excellency. See ya. Hey, just a reminder before I go, please help us grow this show and to reach more souls. You can do that by rating us, reviewing us, wherever you're listening. Thank you so much. God bless you. 
Thank you.